What's up guys, it's your host Lopez, and I just want to say thank you for tuning into this episode today. If you're on Facebook and want to show some support with a like on the page, you can find it by going to facebook.com slash behind closed doors podcast or just searching behind closed doors podcast. You can also find it on Twitter at the BCD podcast and on Instagram at the behind closed doors podcast. Last but not least, follow the podcast on Spotify by searching Behind Closed Doors in the podcast section to see all the amazing upcoming interviews I have to come. Every Sunday, I post a picture of a band with a hint of who my next guest is. Then on Tuesday, I post a brief clip from our video interview with a good highlight of our conversation we had. And lastly, post the new episode up on Spotify every Thursday morning. Now, on to the episode. All righty. Um, <clears throat> how are you doing today, Kelly? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Thank you. First, just want to start out by saying thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. It's my pleasure. Um, so we'll go ahead and jump on into it. Where did you, uh, where are you from? Where did you guys grow up at? Um, Brad and I grew up in Orange County and Long Beach. So we lived in um, Orange County until our parents divorced and then Dad moved back to Long Beach, where Brad and I had both been born, and then we both eventually joined him there. Awesome. Is that where you're living at nowadays? No, actually, I'm in South Orange County, about oh. 40 minutes away from Dad. Something just about California has got you to stick around then? Yeah, it's it's expensive, but worth it. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe one of these days I'll get tired of working my ass off to be able to afford to live here, but for now, I'm good. And I've got two kids who are both here, too, so yeah. What's the age group for uh, for your kids that you have? My two boys are 22 and 17. Oh, okay. So they're a little bit older. They are. Are they they living at home with you now? Yep. Yep. They're both here. My oldest just graduated from college last May during COVID. So when the dorms closed down in March, he and his girlfriend, now fiance, moved back here with me. And then my youngest is just finishing up his senior year of high school. Oh, nice. Is, what's yeah. he got planned for after high school? I don't know. We'll see. He's he's not quite sure yet. He's thinking maybe firefighting. We do have a history of firefighters in our family. And so he's thinking about that. Not quite sure. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. What's the weather like We're, out there right now? You know, it's oddly cold. We had yesterday was cold and rainy and it's been pretty chilly all week. But I mean, I've our idea of cold is, you know, that it's like 60, low 60s. <laughs> yeah, that's really chilly for us. Where are you? I'm in Indiana. I was going to say right now we have oh. a winter storm warning going on. We're going to be getting five to eight inches of snow t- throughout the night and then another <laughs> three inches oh. tomorrow. And uh, it's currently 28 degrees out. Yeah, I'll stop complaining about my weather. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking with a guy yesterday. He's from Texas and he said that, uh, some whenever they get like below 60 out in texas and 
you know, like over on the coasts that uh, everyone's walking around with jackets and hoodies on and bundled up. And (laughs) I'm just thinking, my goodness, that's that's spring weather for us. And we're we're in shorts and tank tops and we're loving it. (laughs) Yeah, we take any opportunity to wear our winter clothes anytime it drops below 70. (laughs) And you said it's, it's not usual that this is this cold for you out there in California. Not really. I mean, sometimes it gets down like this in the winter, but it's been it's been consistently cold like this all week. And that's pretty unusual. You haven't gotten any snow out there. You know, there was a little bit of snow kind of nearby in the local mountains. But, um, you know, so we could just see it like at a distance. (laughs) But I'm, you know, pretty near the coast. So we don't don't actually get snow here. Yeah. For those who don't know Kelly, she is an amazing person alongside her father who are in an amazing memorial foundation for the great Bradley Knoll of Sublime. Brad mm-hmm. passed away due to an overdose, and along the most recent years, addiction and overdose cases are rising, so they are making Bradley's house an order for Brad, a rehab home for struggling people with addiction. Do you feel his energy? You know, I absolutely do, and thank you for saying those nice things. Yeah, I I do feel like what we're doing is not only in honor of my brother, but also um, something that he would be super stoked about. You know, the fact that, I mean, we can't change what happened with him, obviously, but but it does sort of give some meaning to it to be able to help other people potentially avoid what we went through. Absolutely, yeah. The group that I, I see that uh, for Bradley's house just, it's, it's pretty nice to, you know, see all the people that post in seeing their, you know, 10 days sober versus people that have been sober for years and know they're going to start somewhere. And it's just nice to be able to see them have that pride and be able to actually tell a story and not be ashamed of it, you know, and that's exactly. a big step. Yeah, that's a big part of what we wanted to do with that Facebook group. We started the Bradley's House Facebook group a few months ago. And when when it was first suggested to me by one of our board members, Casey Sullivan, I thought, why would we need a Facebook group? We have a page. We have a, you know, a Noel Family Foundation page. And and it, it, I didn't really get it at first. And then, you know, as people started throwing out ideas of of how it could be this, you know, community for people and and provide support for people who are struggling or or encouragement for people who are in recovery and, or just people who've been impacted by it or sublime fans or whatever. Like it's just this, this great group of people that has absolutely exploded. And, and it's always exciting for me to go in there and see all the things that people are saying. And, and sometimes I'm just brought to tears with the encouragement that people give. And, you know, there'll be people on there that are like, you know, three days sober or whatever, and, or, you know, 30 years, it's everything in between. And, and it, I find it really, really exciting because I think a big part of what keeps people entrapped in addiction is the stigma over admitting that they're, they're struggling. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. And, you know, it's such a common thing. Like, honestly, I think we all struggle with some form of addiction, you know, one way or another. And for some people, it it's more of a positive thing. You know, maybe they're addicted to exercise or, or something like that. But, you know, for other people, it's a negative thing, but it's all the same, you know, it's all just addiction and it's just part of the human condition. And I think the more that we can normalize that, the easier it becomes for people to admit that they need help and then ultimately to get that help. Definitely. And I know on the Facebook group too, it, like you said, it's just great to be able to see people come together in that aspect and be able to, you know, give words of encouragement because those people that, you know, potentially post that maybe the, they consider that Facebook group, their family, because they come from a broken home and they don't have anyone to actually talk to and 
just that random stranger that could, you know, give them their email, their phone number, you know, send them a message, be able to talk to them when they need it. If they're down in the slums and they feel like the only thing that's going to help them is if, you know, they, they load the syringe up again, or they go to the liquor store and it's just nice to be able to see people on that group, be able to kind of persuade them to not, you know. Yeah. Just be there for each other. Right. I think that that's what we should be doing anyway. You know, we all struggle in some way or another. And sometimes we have good times. Sometimes we have bad times, but we can all be strength for somebody when they need it. And we can all reach out when we are feeling weak. So I think that's, it's a really cool thing to have that happen in that group. Oh, definitely. Anybody that's listening and they haven't heard of the Noel Family Foundation or Bradley's House, would you like to be able to describe to them what that is? Yeah. So about three and a half years ago, we started the Noel Family Foundation with the goal to help people in the music industry that are struggling with addiction. And so our first goal is to raise money to open Bradley's house in honor of my brother. And it'll be a six bed treatment facility that offers a one week medical detox in a medical facility and then a 90 day treatment program with with us in Bradley's house and um, really focusing on, on using music as a tool for recovery and also using it beyond, you know, so once, once they finish the program and really creating a, a community of sober musicians, because it is so difficult to maintain sobriety in the music industry, you know, always having to be the life of the party and everybody wants to party with the band and, you know, offer things. And, and so it's, it's a real challenge. So I think the more we can create this, this strong community of, of sobriety within the music industry, it will help people to maintain their recovery as well. Yeah. You nailed it right there. It's very, there's very seldom any bands out there that I can think of that uh, I shouldn't say very, very many, but there's, it's a pretty good vast majority of bands out there that, you know, they, just turn to that lifestyle and even though if it's not what their intentions are or anything you know they just get introduced to it one time and it's crazy how just that one time can really make a lifetime of a difference that's true that's that's very true now what's the current status on the home as of right now we're still raising money so our goal is to have just under seven hundred fifty thousand dollars to open and operate for the first year so we want to have that in the bank before we open the doors just so that we're We've got that first year covered and then can, you know, focus on fundraising for the next year. And, and hopefully once we get open, be able to qualify for some grants and that kind of thing, find different sources of funding. But for right now, it's just been a real grassroots effort, sort of spreading the word and, and getting the word out and, and coming up with new and interesting ways to, to keep generating some revenue. And um, we've been really fortunate that different friends have reached out and, and helped out. And we just were able to release an album of, sublime covers called the house that Bradley built. And that's been a huge blessing as far as bringing um, awareness to not only the issue of addiction, but also to the Noel family foundation. So that's been, been really phenomenal. It's been a real game changer for us the last six months. Oh, I'm, I could imagine. Yeah. Is the, is the house currently built right now? No, not yet. So okay. we're still trying. Yeah. We're still raising the money. And then once we have the the money in the bank, then we'll, we'll be able to get it open and, and get things going. And where's it going to be built at? It'll most likely be South Orange County. We have a medical director already identified, someone who's been in the industry for decades and has done some really remarkable things and has helped some friends of ours. And he's willing to to be our medical director for an extremely reduced rate. So he's got a practice down in South Orange County. So we figured that would be a good place to put it. Oh, yeah. And um, do you guys have a process 
generated yet or an idea of how one can get into the house once it's up and running? You know, when, when we first started things, um, within the first year, we met with Music Cares, which is like the, the nonprofit arm of the Grammys organization. And they do a lot for, for people in the music industry. They give financial assistance and medical assistance and all different kinds of things. And a large part of what they do is, is you know, help fund people who need to go into recovery programs. And they were super excited about what we were doing and, um, you know, felt like they could definitely you know, send clients our way. And so that would be uh, a really great way for us to, to, you know, they handle all the screening process and all that kind of thing. And so that I see that as potentially being um, a good source of, you know, being able to serve the music community and, um, you know, other different ways, different things that we talked about with them, you know, obviously we have to find some way of being able to identify whether or not someone would qualify. Of course, I'd love to help everybody and I wish we could, but with a six bed facility, uh, since our, our stated mission is to help people in the music industry, we, we really do need to limit it to that to start with. And so, you know, anybody whose livelihood depends on their, their music and that kind of thing um, would, would be who would qualify. Okay. Any ideas as far as like a time span when you think that that, or I should say, what are you guys' hopes for a Bradley's house to open? Well, if someone wanted to make a donation today, we could open within a month. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just, you know, it just, it just depends on how soon we can, we can get the money. So we've been, like I said, very, you know, grassroots effort since the start, but things have really started to pick up with the increased visibility from the album. And so I'm hoping that within the next year, we'll make some good progress and be able to start focusing on an opening date. Yeah. And I definitely want to talk about the, the album, the house that Bradley built with all those yeah crazy it's just crazy and overwhelming you know you have cashed out you have people like mike pinto you have roots of creation uh even your dad and uh your nephew had sang on a song there and bert suzanka and all those all those guys really showed some good support what was it like when you got the reaction or what was your reaction when you know you found you seen just the support that all those bands were just dying to get on that Oh, it's been so overwhelming. Just such a beautiful response. Um, when I first met Paul Milbury, who's the general manager of Law Records, it was at Cali Roots in May of 2019. And he mentioned that, you know, the guys from Law Records, who are the, the guys from Pepper, were really stoked about the foundation and would love to do something to help. And, you know, he said, we've got a lot going on this summer, but I'll reach out to you in the fall. And I thought, oh, okay, great. You know, we'll, we'll see if that ever happens. But regardless, it was really great meeting Polly, such an awesome guy. Well, sure enough, he reached out to me in the fall and we met and he laid out this idea for the house that Bradley built. He had come up with a name and everything. And um, I said, sure, absolutely. You know, if you can make that happen, that would be remarkable. And boy, I mean, within, I think two months, we already had people who were stoked and on board and he you know, he sent out a bunch of requests and, and kind of just threw it out there to, to a bunch of people thinking, you know, Hey, if just a fraction of them um, were interested, that would be great. And we ended up getting like 55 artists that wanted to do songs. So it was really, really overwhelming and, and just amazing and such a tribute to Brad and sublime and, and everything they've created. So they, we put out a, a two disc vinyl set initially back in September that had about 25 tracks on it. And then uh, just about two weeks ago on January 15th, we released a three CD disc set 
of all of the the tracks from the first release plus another 30 something and uh, I think there's just around 55 tracks on there so it they cover just about every single sublime song a couple um, have you know multiple versions of it but it's so cool you know some artists gave their own spin some just did a real uh, literal interpretation but it's it's all so great and and such a wonderful tribute to to sublime and it's an interesting mix of of artists that have been influenced by Sublime and also some artists that were a Sublime influence uh, like Half Pint and The Descendants and Falling Idols. And so that's been really neat to see, you know, both sides of it and and have it all come together into this, just what I feel is a beautiful project. Oh, hundred percent. Now with, cause I, I followed it every Friday when the new, when they were singles would drop, you know, I would follow <laughs> every single, I would, I, I studied it. <laughs> Now, so great, huh? when the original version came out, that was very, what was the response with that versus when the deluxe edition dropped with, you know, even more tracks to choose from? You know, it's been interesting because when the first one came out, it for a lot of people, it was brand new information. It came out of nowhere and, and people were just like so excited and blown away and wow, I can't wait for this. And, and like, as you said, you know, we released two singles every week leading up to the the release date for I think about six weeks prior and and so there was so much buzz generated and and that was such a overwhelming time and then going through the process again but after so many people already know about the album and there's so many more artists on board um it's just been you know like 10 times as exciting because having heard all the tracks and knowing what's coming and, and being so stoked for everybody to hear it. I have this, you know, sense of expectancy, like, Oh, I just can't wait for everybody to hear. And so that's been really fun. And I'm now that it's out getting so much positive feedback and, you know, it's been great because it introduces other bands that people have never heard of. And they, I've been hearing about people discovering new music and new artists and that kind of thing. And that to me is so gratifying because now not only are those artists able to help build Bradley's house, but we're also able to help spread their sound and their music to new audiences. And, and that makes me feel really good too. Oh yeah. And that's what I was about to tell you too, is with all those uh, on the deluxe edition, about half of those people that I've never heard about, I, you know, got to checking out their profiles on Spotify and whatnot. And yeah, it, it's awesome. definitely a way that I was able to find, you know, find new music to listen to. Like I've never heard of uh, Shane Hall and he did under oh, my voodoo and that was yes. just oh my god isn't that mind-blowing when I heard that the first time my jaw was on the floor it's such a unique interpretation of that song and I I never get tired of it I absolutely love his cover of under my voodoo he really nailed it and I could just imagine how uh Brad would feel if he was to hear all these stuff all these covers you know it'd just be I think he'd be right there with you with his jaw dropped and just overwhelmed <laughs> wouldn't know what to say yeah, I think so too. You know, he was such a, a lover of all styles of music and incorporated so much of that into his music so that I, I think having these different styles and these different sounds and these different interpretations of, of the Sublime songs would really, would really thrill him. I think he'd be peace stoked for sure. Oh yeah. I remember the first time I heard Sublime, I think it was, I was either 10 or 11 and my cousin had shown me, uh, I think it was either wrong way or uh santeria and uh right after that i just had it burnt in my head you know i've got to get i've got to go on the coast and i've got to 
live around palm trees and on the beach and I've got to get a sun tattoo on my back. And <laughs> although now I do have uh, the sublime sun tattooed on the back of my right nice. leg. And I, awesome. That's one of my favorite tattoos that I've got. Um, do you think that there's ever going to be any more covers done? I hope so. It was really a fun project. And we've talked about maybe doing some like um, seven inch vinyl singles and that kind of thing. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, honestly, a year and a half ago, I could have never imagined something like this that has happened, you know? So uh, I've learned that I can't predict the future. <laughs> has there, um, was there any bands that didn't, that weren't able to get on the album that wanted to? Yeah, there were a few that, that just weren't able to get their songs in, in time. And there were some that we reached out to and, you know, their schedules, they just couldn't make it work. But after it came out, they were super bummed that they weren't able to be on. So hopefully we'll be able to, to get more, you know, and as, and now as there's more buzz about it uh, and we actually have an album, I think it really gives some of the artists a more concrete sense of what we're doing. And, you know, just realizing that we're a legitimate foundation and a nonprofit and, you know, that, that we really are doing what we say we would. And, and so hopefully it'll lead to more. I think that would be super cool. And I think it's a really cool way to reach people as well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because I, uh, I know that, like you said, with people that uh, don't really know those bands and they check that album out there, it's a good way for them to be able to check those other bands out and just right. know what, you know, and then they, when they, when they look at the name of the album, the house that Bradley built, they want to look more into that. And then, you know, that stems back to the Noel family foundation and Bradley's house. And it's just a really good way to get that out. If there was a, yeah. if there's a favorite on that album that you had to choose, what would that be? <laughs> Mm. oh no I pretty hard it is hard it is hard plus you know I wouldn't want to offend anybody there are there are definitely some standouts in my opinion as you brought up Shane Hall's cover of Under My Voodoo just phenomenal um I'm a huge Mike Pinto fan and I think he just did a phenomenal cover of Superstar Punani um you know uh, I'm a huge Ballyhoo fan so of course I love their cover of STP there's just so many I mean literally I could go on and on and on they're they're all so fantastic and there were some bands, uh, just a handful, but there were some bands that I was not familiar with either that I've been able to learn about, including Shane Hall. I was not familiar with his music before this. So it's been a real treat for me, too, to be able to discover some new music and some new artists as well. Definitely. Definitely. Um, <clears throat> I'm just taking a look at this. It's just overwhelming to see all these people on this. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Now. I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, your guys' life growing up with Brad. What was your guys' childhood like with him? Well, he's two and a half years older than me. So, um, you know, we I think we were typical brother and sister. Sometimes, you know, loving each other and sometimes hating each other. <laughs> yeah. um, he was very entertaining. <laughs> he was also a nightmare sometimes, you know, as older brothers can be. But um, I do remember, you know, like on, we took a lot of road trips as a family before my parents split up and um, he, he could come up with these amazing voices. Like he could imitate <laughs> just about any, any uh, language and he just was very animated and could be very entertaining. He was always very creative. He would do drawings for me as a kid. And of course I thought, you know, he was like Michelangelo. I thought he was just so good. And I look back on them now and they're, you know, really not very good, but, but 
I, I just always thought that he was the greatest at everything he did. So when he started playing music, of course, I thought that was great. And I would go to all the shows because it was my brother. And I, you know, I was so excited for him and so proud of him. And um, so, yeah, I've always, always been very close with him. Um, and I think that that's probably a, you know, as a result of our childhood. So, um, yeah, so we had good times about, I think, just like any typical family. When you say he could do voiceovers, do you think he could have been a perfect fit for like doing children's cartoons? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so wonderful. <laughs> yeah, he totally could have because he just, I, I don't know, he just had a way of being able to mimic sounds <laughs> and and dialects. And, and I just, I found it thoroughly entertaining as a child. I really did. Now, with the drawing aspect, did he come up with the Sublime Sun logo, or do you know how that was generated? Oh, I believe that was all Opie. Opie Ortiz was the one who came up with that, and um, and Brad just loved it. And you know, and it's amazing how that's become such an identifying factor with the band, but um, very iconic for sure. Oh yeah, you see it anywhere, and you instantly know what it is. Yeah. I, I know you guys spoke many memories on Bradley's house, the uh, podcast with your brother. Um, what are some awesome memories that maybe you haven't talked about yet on that podcast? Oh gosh. You know, I always say I, it sounds a little morbid, but I wish I'd known that he was going to die early. I would have made an effort to remember more stuff. Um, I think I probably shared most everything and, and I always tend to come up with new memories whenever something kind of sparks it, you know, I'm, right, yeah. um, I'm just, I'm not real good at thinking back and going, Hey, then this happened. And Hey, then this happened. But um, <laughs> yeah, you know, he was, he played little league. I remember when he was playing little league baseball when I was younger and I'd go to all the little league games and he was not very good at all. <laughs> and, and and then he played a little bit of football his freshman year in high school. Again, not very good. Just not really an athlete. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, I, I think about times like that, that were, you know, just fun childhood memories. Yeah. I like to I like to focus on the good stuff. Obviously, there was a lot of bad stuff too, but um, the good stuff is obviously more pleasant to remember. Definitely. Now, when I remember you had talked about when he first got into the Sublime, you'd mentioned that the friend groups were totally different between you and him. <laughs> yes. Did that yes. In fact, before he was in Sublime, um, two bands before Sublime, he was in a punk band with Eric Wilson called Hogan's Heroes. And that was when we were both still in high school. And I had a, my mom was out of town and had a party at her house. And Brad said, oh, my band and I'll come play. I'm like, oh, that'd be so great. So I think I was probably 14, maybe <laughs> 14 or 15, I don't know, I think 14. And um, so, you know, I had all my preppy friends. This was the mid eighties. And so my preppy friends and he came with Hogan's Heroes and all of his punker friends and um, it was just like total opposites and yet it was a great party. And, you know, next morning, strangers asleep on the couch and that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we had, um, definitely had some, some different friend groups growing up. We, you know, went to different schools and stuff too, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was always fun to see those sort of, um, intersect and see, you know, the results of it. But regardless of what kind of music he was playing, I was always super, super proud of him. Now that didn't make anything awkward between you and him or did, was that brother sister bond always there with the whole friend group difference? 
Yeah. I mean, we never really hung out much. We tried a couple times in high school and he was super protective, which didn't go over really well with me. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we, we decided it was probably best not to hang out together too much, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we had some shared interests obviously, and we both were big fans of all different types of music. And, you know, so I would share what I was listening to. He'd share what he was listening to. And, um, so, you know, we were always able to bond over that. And if he needed to kick somebody's ass, you'd just have to get a hold of him and he'd be right there. <laughs> no, he was not much of an ass kicker. I'll be honest. He was not a good fighter, <laughs> but, um, I don't think I ever would have asked him to anyway. I'm, I'm a lover, not a fighter. And in fact, when he would get into fights, when we were in elementary school, I would, uh, always go try to break it up, which, you know, when your younger sister is trying to, yeah. to stand up for you, it, it doesn't, it, he didn't appreciate that. I'll, I'll just say <laughs> that. But my intentions were good. My intentions were really good. Now, when uh, Brad and the guys in Sublime, when they were getting more popular and playing these huge sold out shows back in the day, what was it like for you going backstage and seeing your brother play on stage and seeing just that huge following that he was having? It was, it was mind blowing. I, um, I always would watch the shows from out in the audience because I love, even now I love feeling the energy of the crowd. I think it's just a very different experience being, being out in the crowd and experiencing the show versus being backstage. It, it just feels very different to me and being a lover of music and a lover of live music. I enjoy being out in the crowd. So I would always watch the show from out in the crowd and then go see him afterwards backstage. And um, the, I think the K-Rock weenie roast in, I think it was 1995 was the first time I ever really really understood how big things were getting because at that point um, the radio station K-Rock had been playing date rape for a while and so when they started playing date rape everybody around me started singing along and I was I was so freaked out I'm like how do they all know <laughs> the lyrics to his song like I just that blew me away and I think that was when it first hit me that that things had gone beyond you know, backyard parties. And of course they'd been, they'd been playing smaller clubs, you know, the ones with the sticky floors and all that. And I would go to all the local shows and, um, but just in that large scale. And it was, it was at a venue that, you know, I'd grown up going to concerts at. And so it was just, it was really, um, that was a big moment for me seeing them playing there. Now, how often do you see people out in public nowadays with like a, a sublime shirt or a hat or anything? That's a good question. You know, I still see it pretty frequently and it still trips me out just like it did. I remember the very first time I ever saw a sublime sticker on someone's car that I didn't know, you know, when they first had stickers made, they went and put them on everybody's cars, whether you wanted one or not. So <laughs> um, I went out to my car one day and there was a sublime sticker on my car. And um, I'm not really a bumper sticker person. In fact, I, the only stickers I've ever had on my car are sublime stickers. And um, so that was the very first one. And he very graciously added that to my car without my permission. But, um, <laughs> and so, you know, whenever you'd see a sublime sticker around town, you always knew that that was, you know, that was a friend or family member. And, so then one time I remember seeing one on a car of someone I didn't know. And I was just, I was so excited. And even now, if I'm out and about somewhere and I, and I hear a song on the radio or see someone wearing a shirt, uh, I still, I don't know. It just, it just trips me out. It really does. Um, I, my kids have been raised going to shows and stuff. And so whenever we go to shows and we see people with sublime shirts, we always look at each other and go, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'll ever get used to that. So uh, it still is very exciting to me. 
Oh yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, I can imagine how overwhelming and just it just takes you back to a certain time because yeah, you out of all people would know. You know, you'd have a, a different timestamp than versus you know, like when I when I hear like I said Santeria or um, caress me down or what I got any of those. You know, I it takes me back to when I was growing up in middle school going into high school versus when you hear it you know you have a whole different assortment yeah. of stories that it could take you back to or times and memories that it can take you back to and true crazy. yeah and emotions and all that you know I think a lot yeah. of it too I I I love hearing bands play sublime covers live at shows but it's also very sad you know it's so sad for me because then everybody's singing long and and I just wish that Brad was there you know it's it's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. Yeah. And when every time I hear pool shark, it's just breaks my heart just because, you know, just the lyrics and it just speaks out for itself nowadays after the fact. And it's very, just very bittersweet. Yeah. I'm sure for you too, yeah. just to know. That's a tough one. Yeah. I don't, I don't listen to that song. It's very difficult for me to hear. Now I know you had spoken a little bit before on the other podcast about Lou Dog saying he's bit people before and whatnot. So what, what was what was he like? Because he seemed like he had a person, his own personality from pictures I've seen of him wearing shades on the stage and just roaming around in videos. Yeah, absolutely. He was he had a very unique life. Let's just say that he was not. Uh, he was a sweet dog, but he was not very friendly. He was just, he was not nice. Let me just say that he had his moments and he adored Brad. He would have, he would have done anything for Brad and vice versa. But um, yeah, he was not super friendly. Um, Brad sort of rescued him from a guy who had had him in, in worked full time. So Louie would have to stay locked up in a bathroom all day. And Brad just thought that was cruel and, and awful. And yeah. And so he, he bought him from him. And from that moment on, they were pretty much inseparable. And, um, you know, we grew up with animals our whole life. And so it wasn't that unusual, but I guess because he, you know, then would take him on stage or, you know, sometimes I'd show up at these little venues that wouldn't allow him in. And so Louie would just be sitting there by the door waiting for Brad. (laughs) Yeah, he was, (laughs) he was a, he was a great dog. He was good to Brad. How was he around Jacob that you can recall when Jacob was just a little old baby? How was Louie? Yeah, was he Brad? Prote- <laughs> I guess both. Was he? Uh, was we'll start with Louie. Was he protective or was he a jealous type dog? Uh, you know, that's a great question. I don't totally remember how Louie responded, although I would have to think that he was pretty jealous. Um, <laughs> Brad just adored Jacob. He was so thrilled to be a dad and just so in awe of this, you know, person that he had helped to create. And so anytime that he was, you know, with him, obviously it just, it took all his attention. So I can imagine, I'm sure Louis was very jealous, although I don't have any specific memories of that. Definitely. Yeah. Now a question I want to ask you, maybe you'll know who is Raleigh Theodore Sakers? I don't know. That's a great question. I never really discussed him with Brad. Um, it just never occurred to me. I, I listened to 40 ounce nonstop and, and all the, you know, the smaller releases that they had before that. And um, by the time Robin the Hood came around, I didn't, I, I knew some of the songs off of it, but I didn't listen to it a whole lot. And I definitely would skip over the Raleigh tracks. So um <laughs> But that's just very Brad. Like to me, it wasn't, 
it wasn't anything remarkable. It didn't surprise me that he had this, you know, ranting person um, on his album, because that was just, that was very Brad to do that. And so it didn't seem that unusual to me. And of course, it wasn't until after he died when people really started to to ask about it and talk about it. And um, yeah, I, I have absolutely no no helpful information on that. Now, what do you think was the craziest memory that you can recall from the Sublime days, whether it was at a show or if it was at like at a meet and greet or anything like that? Mm. Well, backstage at the Weenie Roast was interesting. They filled their trailer with beer and took all the furniture outside the trailer. <laughs> and <laughs> so when I got back there, they were all kicking back on a couch on the grass and <laughs> um, <laughs> doing interviews. That was that was interesting for sure. Um, yeah, with all the support from Law Records and uh, again, all those bands who took the time to put in their cars, I just can't imagine how awesome that must be for the foundation when, you know, like you said, spurring the word and going forth with uh, the fun- the fundraising. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, they just presented us with the first check last month for $25,000, oh, which awesome. was our, yeah, our largest single donation to date. Um, and all the proceeds from the album are going to the foundation. So that's, it's really been phenomenal. And I'm so honored that, you know, Paul and, and Yasad chose to do that. And they're such amazing human beings. I absolutely love them. In fact, um, they're now on the board of the Knoll Family Foundation. And so I feel really honored to have such incredible people like that helping us create this in, in honor of Brad. And, um, you know, they, they not only did what they said they would do, but they continue to come up with new and exciting things that we can do to help push the foundation forward. And so I feel really, really fortunate to have met them and to have them on board. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I know that. Um, I just know them from pepper and I know that you know them more than I do. They just seem just like wonderful people that would, they really are. Yeah. You know, it's so nice because sometimes when you get a little behind the scenes with, with people, you, you know, sometimes it can be a little disappointing. We're all human. Right. You know, but these guys are, are so much, so much more incredible than I could have ever imagined. And I've been a pepper fan for, I don't know, at least a decade. So to get to meet Yasad and and see what an amazing individual he is and and how he lives his life and um, you know, just how genuine he is and how real has been a real treat for me. Now with the new with the podcast you and Jarrett have, how is that, if at all, how has that, would you say, benefited from the fundraising and just getting the word out? It's been awesome. In fact, when when Jarrett first asked me to do it a few months ago I my first instinct was no I had no desire to do it whatsoever I um, I'm a very private person so even doing these kinds of interviews is is very difficult for me it's way out of my comfort zone and so the idea of actually doing my own podcast and having to talk with people all the time just seemed crazy to me and um, and I work a lot in addition to running the foundation I have a full-time job to pay my bills and so um, it's pretty much the equivalent of two full-time jobs so I thought there's no way I would have time to do it but he said well let's just try it we'll do one episode and record it and you can listen to it and if you don't like it you know we can just forget the whole thing and no one will ever have to know so we um, did an episode with my dad and of course I mean he how could you have a bad podcast with my dad he's just such a great guy and it was it was fun and it was wonderful and it wasn't nearly as horrible as I thought it was going to be so 
So then, yeah, we just started it and we release an episode every two weeks and it's been fun because we've had a good mix of, you know, some friends of, of my brother and um, like Z-Man and Miguel and, and then different artists that have been uh, influenced by Sublime, like uh, Howie Spangler from Ballyhoo and Kyle Smith and um, some other musicians and people involved with nonprofits like Stacey D from Bad Cop, Bad Cop and Soma Snake Oil and just a really great mixture of people. And um, I keep getting excited for, you know, each next episode that we do, because so far I've been fortunate enough to be able to have these guests that I, I love. They're people that I love and admire and respect. And so it's been it's been a real treat for me to be able to put the spotlight on these people. And um, so I'm excited. And then we've been able to get some sponsorships. We've got some great sponsors right now. And so that's, of course, generating some revenue for the foundation. And hopefully, you know, it'll it'll really turn into um, to something that we can do on a continual basis to to bring awareness and and revenue for the foundation. Yeah. And like I was going to say with uh, I think it was either episode two or three when you guys had Todd Zalkins on, I, I always wondered who that who that guy was in uh, the date rape video. And thanks to that. (laughs) Now, you know, yeah. And he was actually the one who came up with the idea for Bradley's house. He's the one who got us to start the Knoll family foundation. He's on our board as well. So great guy, wonderful guy. And he has his own documentary out on Amazon prime too, right? He does. I'm so glad you mentioned that it's called the long way back. And he released it about three years ago, I guess. Um, Boy, is that powerful. It is a powerful powerful film i i recommend that everybody check it out um i know it's on amazon it might also still be on hulu and it was on uh, several different platforms but he he initially started it to you know tell his story but of course his story is so interlinked with sublime story so he was able to tell part of brad's story in it too and it's such a powerful story of you know, the, the pitfalls and redemption and, and just so many great things. He was, he had a very serious drug problem himself and, and really should not be alive. The man is a walking miracle, but um, you know, he's, he's taken all those, all those regretful things from his past and turned them around and is, is using them in such a positive way to really impact people's lives. He does interventions and all kinds of things that speaks at meetings. And I'm really, really proud of Todd. Cause you know, we all, we all have past. We all do things that we wish we could erase from our past, but I'm, I'm so impressed with the way that he's been able to embrace his past and, and shine a light on it so that we can all learn from it. And, and I really respect him for that. He's done a, a great job of that. And really uh, it's life-changing. I mean, he still, he'll share with me some of the messages he gets from people who've seen his documentary and how it's impacted them. And I really believe that, you know, 30, 40 years from now, people will still be completely impacted by, by the work that he did in that documentary. Now he, if I, if I remember right on the video I've seen was Jacob, did he sing a song in that documentary or? (laughs) Yeah, he did. So uh, Todd was Jacob's sober coach for a while. And then um, he was the one who helped Jacob get into rehab a few years ago, which is when we kind of came up with the whole idea for Bradley's house. And um, yeah, so he's got Jacob in the documentary as well. Jacob has just done amazing things. Talk about an incredible young man. He's 25 years old and he's, he's already done so much and, and dealt with so much that most people two or three times his age will never do. And 
Um, he's a, an incredible musician and he is able to maintain his recovery in the music industry. And he's got a beautiful fiance and, um, some wonderful ferrets and he's just, he's an, a wonderful person. And I know his dad is incredibly proud of him and I wish he was here to see it, but he's an exceptional young man. Oh yeah. Whenever I first heard law, it was a good thing liquor store and just gave me the chills just hearing how just the roots of, you know, Bradley yeah. and his voice, you can hear every, every little thing about Bradley inside of his, yeah. in his voice and just makes me wonder what, what his dad would think if he was to be here and hear it and what a song with them two would be like, you know? Right. Isn't it amazing? He's so talented and you can hear so much of his dad in him. And boy, when he performs, he has so many mannerisms that are similar to Brad, which is crazy because he was 11 months old when Brad died. And so just to see that come through him is really, really cool. It's very cool. And he's, you know, he's completely talented in his own right and, and has his own sound. And yet he's still, you know, has that, that inside him. And so I think it's really neat to see him, him grow into his own style and his own, you know, the artist that, that he wants to be. And that's a tough thing to do when you have the shadow of, you know, someone like Brad, but um, I, I think he's done an amazing job of, of, you know, coming into his own and really, really taking ownership of, of who he is and what he wants to be instead of just sort of taking the easy way out. And, you know, I think a lot of people would just love to hear him play sublime songs all day long, you know, yeah. but, but he, he's, he's an artist in his own right and he wants to make his own music. And, and so he stood by that. And as I said before, I'm really proud of him. I could go on for a long time about him. I think he's wonderful. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause I seen his video actually covering that, performing that song, good thing liquor store in uh, jam in the van and, just the energy that he has, like you said, it just everything just so, you know, just so close in yeah. the comparison with yeah. his dad. And it's just yeah, real so incredible to see. Yeah. And yet so original, which I think is really cool. Now, before we close this out, I just want to ask you if there was one thing that you could tell your brother today, what would that be? Oh, wow. I don't know, Devin. That's really, that's a hard one. Um, that's hard. I go back and forth. Sometimes I, um, sometimes I miss him and sometimes I'm very angry at him. And so, um, I know it wasn't his fault. Um, at the time I didn't understand that cause I didn't understand addiction. I was, I was 25 and, and did not, I just didn't get it. I didn't, I didn't realize that he didn't have a choice. I thought that certainly anybody who was an addict was making the choice to, you know, shoot up or to take that drink or whatever. I thought it was a choice. And now um, I've been able to educate myself more and, and I realize that it's not. And addiction is a thief, you know, it, it robs the person and it robs everyone around them. And, um, and I wish that I had understood more of that before he died, but I'm grateful that I know it now and can use that to help other people. But I think I wish more than anything that he was here just to see all the love, you know, all the love that he's found, all the love that, that I get to hear from so many people and that I get to feel from so many people that I know is, is because of Brad and it's all directed at Brad. And I feel very fortunate that I get to experience that on his behalf. But at the same time, sometimes, um, 
sometimes it's a lot and sometimes I just want to hide and I'm angry that he's not here to deal with it all himself, you know? So, um, yeah. So I guess it just depends on, (laughs) on the day. Sometimes I would love to tell him, um, that I, I miss him and I, I wish that he was here and, and I'm so proud of him. And other times I just want to tell him how angry I am at, at losing him. Not that it was his fault, but, you know, I'm sure that's pretty typical of anyone who's lost a loved one. Uh, It's so hard to, to reconcile your life without somebody, you know, we have the sense that people will just always be there. And when, when someone's presence is gone from your life, it's really, it's a difficult thing. And I don't think, I don't think we ever get over it. We just kind of learn to live our lives in spite of it, you know? So, um, yeah, I'm not sure if that answers your question. But. Oh, no, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was I a good one. That was a heavy question. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean to drop it on you out of the blue like that. It's just <laughs> it's all good. I no, know that, uh, like you said, it's just like a, a, a story, for example, my, uh, my, it was my, when I first moved into Indiana, my uh, neighbor at the time, she was a bus driver and she had a little boy, I think he was about three years younger than me. And, um, it's just like you said, you know, when anything could happen anytime. And when that, when that happens and that someone's presence is gone, it's just crazy. Cause he was at yeah. a party with one of his so-called friends and they were on a Polaris Ranger and ATV and he was riding passenger and his friend was driving and they were just acting, cra- you know, he the driver was acting crazy on the Polaris trying to like do darn, uh, burnouts and, uh, make ruts on the ground and whatnot and he turned too sharply and uh <gasps> made the made my my friend fall off the atv and it landed on him and he had passed oh. away shortly after that in the hospital and oh that's devastating she had oh. posted yeah she had posted a story on facebook about you know the time frames because she remembers still to the day what what time it was when she got the call to go to the the scene and she got a, had to ride to the hospital wondering what was going to happen and then posted a picture of her holding his hand while it was white and cold and just saying what 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 she felt when she had to let go yeah it's tough it's a tough thing wow well kelly i can't thank you enough um i just want to say you're definitely a great person and a wonderful sister to your brother i know he'd be so thank thrilled you. to know about all of the things you guys have to do and uh, I know he's definitely proud of all of you and the guys at Law Records and the Noel Family Foundation for everything that is in remembrance for him. I appreciate thank the you. time you took to talk with me today. I really appreciate you having me on your show. And thank you so much for the kind words, Devin. I appreciate Not a it. problem. Thank you. I can't wait for the opening of Bradley's house. Hopefully I can attend it with you guys. Absolutely. That would be great. Thanks so much. Thank you, Kelly. You have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.